by word of appreciation for your attendance today. Appreciate it uh, so very much, especially to our guests. Uh, guests, if you have those cards filled out, would you pass those to the inside aisle and be picked up at this time? A man stopped by a little league game that was being played. He was a little curious, so he asked one of the players, Hey, what's the score? The little boy looked up to the band and said, Well, we're losing 21 to nothing. The man said, Wow, oh, you don't look very discouraged. The little boy said, Well, why should I be discouraged? It's just the top of the first. We haven't even batted yet. <laughs> you know, I'd like to have that kind of attitude. The attitude of that little boy. To not let anything discourage me. Because guess what? Life, life can be discouraging. And when you get on that road, that road seems long. And it seems rough. And it's tough. How do you not allow discouragement to win? How can we defeat discouragement? I think we need to take a lesson from Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 4, because he, I think, helps us. Because friends, remember last week? Last week I challenged you. I challenged you to grow five different ways. The first way that I mentioned was to grow in knowledge. A great follow-up to what we had just recently, the Spark event, would be for all of us to gain in knowledge of God's Word. And if I was to go around this morning and ask you, would you like to know God's Word better? I think I would get, everyone would say yes. I think everyone would say yes. I want to know God's Word better. In fact, coming up on January 1st, we have what our world calls New Year's resolutions. And a very common New Year's resolution is, I'm going to be a better student of God's Word. But what happens about a month later? The Bible is up on the shelf, gathering dust. Because why? Because we got discouraged. And we gave up. We gave up our goal of gaining in knowledge of God's Word. So how do we not let that happen? How do we not let this happen? Look at verse 10 again, chapter 4. In Judah it was said, The strength of those who bear the burden is failing. They're giving up. There is too much rubble. There's just too much to do. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. They had started off, <clears throat> they had started off so enthusiastically. And now, now they are ready to quit. What had happened? They got tired. They had simply got tired. See, in your work for the Lord, in your study of God's Word, don't let fatigue get you down. Don't let busyness overwhelm you so that you lose your strength. In other words, slow down. You know, that's mighty good advice right there. 
Because so often, so often, you and I, we overcommit to worldly things while leaving out what's really important. We get so committed to, uh, well, we got a list of TV shows that we just got to watch, got to keep up with our TV shows, and, and we got the sports teams that, uh, that we must follow, and, and we got our hobbies, we got all of our hobbies, and we got our recreation, and we got our cars, and we got this, and we got that, and guess what? We end up majoring in the minors while leaving out what's really major. And that is God. My dear friends, we must eliminate busyness from our lives or else we will grow weary and give up. So please, please don't let fatigue get you down. And second, more than that, don't let the wrong focus, don't let the wrong focus get you down either. Don't lose sight of the goal. Don't lose your vision. That's what happened to the people in Nehemiah's day. Look at verse 10 again. They're saying, there's too much rubble. Too much rubble there. But go back to verse 6. What does verse 6 tell us? Verse 6 says, they're already halfway done. They are halfway done with the job. But unfortunately... Now all they can see is the garbage, not the gains. All they can see is the problems, not the progress. I believe the hardest part of any task happens about halfway through that task. You know, when, when you're tackling a remodeling job at your house, or, or ladies, uh, when you're doing your spring cleaning, What's the hardest part? It's halfway through because you look around and you've created a mess by, by trying to get it right and you got all that garbage and trash and, and all of that. And it looks worse than it did when you started. Trash is everywhere. It's easy to think, I will never get this done. Let me tell you, that's often the way it is in our work for the Lord. We get halfway through, all we see is the rubble, all we see is the problems, and we lose sight of the progress. Please, in your work for the Lord, don't let fatigue get you down. Don't lose your strength. Don't let the wrong focus get you down. Don't lose your vision. And third, don't let fear get you down. Don't let worry and anxiety cause you to lose your confidence in the Lord. That's what's happening here to Nehemiah's people. They complain, uh, by ourselves, we'll not be able to rebuild the wall. They had lost their confidence. They're afraid that they can't complete the task. And also, they're afraid of their enemies. Look at verse 11. And our enemy said, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. The enemies are coming from all four directions. And they're ganging up on Nehemiah and the people. Verse number 12. At that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us ten times, you must return to us. It's coming from their own people. 
It's coming from their own people there. They're saying, we need to give up. You need to stop this. In other words, quit while you're ahead. Just quit while you're ahead and go back home. The fear is just about ready to stop them dead in their tracks. And our fears can do the same to us. We have what we call SEAL training, Naval SEAL training. In Naval SEAL training, they have candidates who want to be Navy SEALs, and they are tasked with multiple physical events designed to test their commitment to the Navy SEALs. Those tasks have standards, and if you don't meet that standard, then your name is put on a list. And at the end of the day, everybody on the list is invited to a circus. But we, you know, when we hear the word circus, we think of fun. We think of enjoyment. This circus is not fun. This circus is actually two hours of additional calisthenics designed to wear you down, to break your spirit, to force you to quit. No one wants a circus. But sometimes those guys don't measure up to the standards and their name is put on that list and they are called to take part in that circus. And that was hard. Because that circus meant more fatigue the next day. And more fatigue would sometimes lead them to be on the circus list a second day in a row. And a third day in a row. But guess what? During the training... Just about everybody gets on the list at least one time. And the men who actually get on the list repeatedly times and survive and make it, they get stronger. They get better. Their strength is stronger in there, and they can actually do more. And they succeed. The pain of the circus builds inner strength for those soldiers. You know, life, life is filled with a lot of tests. And sometimes we don't pass the test and, and we end up in a, in a circus. Problems. We have failed. It will be painful. It will be discouraging. But while we're being tested, we're gaining strength. Strength to meet a new challenge on the next day. So my advice is this, don't be afraid of the circuses. Don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid of pain. And don't let fatigue get you down. Don't let the wrong focus defeat you. And don't let fear wear you out. In other words, what am I saying this morning? Don't be discouraged. Instead, be encouraged. Be revived. Be heartened. Find the strength to keep on going. How do you do that? Well, first, first, we must redirect your energies. Redirect your energies. Take a break and do something different. Overcome fatigue with rest. That's what Nehemiah, that's what Nehemiah did. Notice verse 13. So, in the lowest parts of the space between the walls, 
In open places, I station the people. How? By their clans. He calls families to come together to work on the wall. By their clans, with their swords, their spears, and their bows. Nehemiah stopped the work for just a moment. He rearranged the workers, putting them in the exposed sections by families. They had been working so hard. They didn't have time to spend with their families, and they were becoming discouraged. Now they've got family around them. They're together. They can help each other, and they can protect each other. It's a change of pace, and that's what they needed at that time. And often that's what we need. Bernard Leggett is a Kenyan-born U.S. citizen who's a long-distance runner. He's a four-time Olympian. He trains hard, especially when you consider he's training for long-distance running. But he does something odd. Every year in the fall, he takes five weeks off. For five weeks, he doesn't train. For five weeks, he doesn't go to the track. For five weeks, he doesn't do any exercises. What does he do? He spends time with his family. He goes to his kids' ball games. He, he plays with his kids. He, he just spends time with his family. Why does he do that? Listen to what he says. Bernard says, My runs are very hard. Everything I do in life in regards to running is hard. But my body gets tired. I'm not a machine. Rest is a good thing. Do you know what? He's absolutely right. Rest is a good thing. In fact, regular periods of rest allows us to keep on going long after most people quit. Did you know that Jesus took breaks? If you look at the earthly ministry of Jesus, it seems like he frequently took breaks in his about three years of active ministry. Now, these breaks were not long vacations, I, I realize that, but these breaks were there to give his body time to heal. Those breaks were there to give his soul, his mind, time to get recharged and renew. If Jesus himself took breaks, how much more do we need to take breaks? You see, Jesus died to set us free, not only from our sins, but also from the tyranny of the urgent, the tyranny of busyness. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, the God, command, God commands His people to take one day off a week. We call that the Sabbath day. Because why? Deuteronomy 5 verse 12, Because I have brought you out of slavery in Egypt with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Jesus, Jesus has also rescued us. In the same way that God rescued those Israelites and brought them out of slavery so they didn't have to work seven days a week as a slave. Jesus has rescued us. He has set us free. So what do we need to do? We need to be encouraged. We need to be revived. We need to be renewed. How? Well, 
First, we said, redirect your energies, overcome your fatigue with rest, and number two, number two, refocus your vision. Overcome the wrong focus with the right focus. Stop looking at the problems, the rubble of life. Stop looking at the mess and look to the Lord. That's what Nehemiah did. That's what he directed his people to do. Verse 14. And I looked and arose, and I said to the nobles, and to the officials, and to the rest of the people, Do not not be afraid of those folks. Don't be afraid of those enemies. Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and will fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. What's Nehemiah doing? He's refocusing the people. Look to God. Remember the Lord when you're discouraged. Get your eyes off the problem and put them on the Lord who is bigger than any problem you might face. That's good advice. Not only for God's people in Nehemiah's day, it's good advice for you and for me. During the first war, a British commander was marching his troops back to battle. They had lost five consecutive battles. His troops were worn out, they were defeated, they were already resigned to another loss. As that commander was marching his troops to the next battle, he noticed a church building. The church building had been bombed, bombed extensively. Just about everything about that building was damaged. Everything except one thing, just one thing. And that was, out front, there was a cross to remind people about the cross of Jesus. And as that British commander looked at that cross, he remembered the victory that Jesus had attained over that cross. He remembered the triumph that Jesus had accomplished by being resurrected from the dead. He remembered all the good. Suddenly, he barked out the command, Eyes right! And his troops were still marching, but now they're all turned to the right. And as they passed that bombed-out church building, every soldier noticed the cross. Those soldiers were recharged. Those soldiers were renewed. They would next next fight seven next battles and win all seven battles in the war because they were renewed. They remembered. They were refocused. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight. Let's lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2. Looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility 
against himself so that you may not grow weary, give up, grow weary or faint-hearted, discouraged. Look to Jesus. Don't look at the mess. Look at the master. Don't look at the problem. Look at the perfecter of your faith. Don't look at the obstacles. Look at the overcomer. Be encouraged. Be revived. Be renewed. How? Let's remember, first, we redirect our energies. Number two, we refocus our vision. And number three, we rally together. We overcome anxiety with unity. This life is lived better by uniting together. That's what Nehemiah led the people to do in his day. Verse 15, when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plans, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. When the threat from the enemy was over, they all got back to their work, but not without some modifications. Verses 16 through 20, Nehemiah calls the people. He says, okay, we're going to be working, but we're going to have a trumpet. When that trumpet sounds, you rally, you come, you help out, you help each other. You are to be united together. And that's what they did. They all worked together, helping each other. Because life is truly lonely if it's lived alone. Each one of us, we need our fellow Christians to help us. If you have taken the challenge of growing in knowledge, I hope you have, and you are going to study God's Word in the coming weeks and months and year, I hope you tell someone, hey, I'm doing this, would you help me? Would you ask me from time to time, how are you doing with your Bible study? Will you pray for me? And will you make me accountable to keeping this promise of being a better student? We need each other to help each other. Nehemiah set the example, and all the people came together to work. We need to come together. We don't need to go it alone. We need to rally around each other. We need to accept help from one another. My dear friends, let's not let discouragement win. Let's chase away discouragement. How do we do it? One, we redirect our energies. Two, we refocus our vision. And three, we rally together. As Paul was writing to the churches in Galatia, chapter 6, verse 9, that verse ends, it says, in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. Let's don't give up. Let's persevere. Let's make this next year the very best year ever here at 70 West. Let's grow. Let's grow in knowledge. This morning, are you a Christian? Have you taken on that first step of becoming a Christian? Do you believe in Him? Will you change your life? We call that repentance. Will you confess Jesus as the true Son of God? And will you be baptized, washing away your sins?
I'm looking out over people that I dearly love, brothers and sisters in Christ, and, and you have done that. But in our lives, do we sometimes do we sometimes disappoint God? Do we sometimes lose our faith? We lose our focus, we lose our energy, and we lose our commitment. You can seek forgiveness. God will forgive. 1 John 1, 9. This church stands ready to pray with you and for you. Will you come this morning? Will you please come while we stand and sing for your encouragement? I have decided.